Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Outkick 360 is back for a big week. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, the whole cast and crew the family. here making the show happen for us. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe. Uh, hit the alert. We go live each and every weekday at this time at noon Eastern. 11 a.m. Central, and if you're listening on the podcast, subscribe there as well, wherever you find your podcast. Share the link on Facebook, retweet on Twitter. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Hope good everyone morning. had a great Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day weekend is can be a real struggle at times, and I'm sure moms out there that are watching this are <laughs> laughing at me thinking, try being us every day of our <laughs> life and uh, talk about the struggle. But when you have two kids, I'm going to round up with my kids. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And you have two kids, one of which has a lot of opinions on what she should get her mom for Mother's Day. And then I allow that child to also pick out the gift from her little sister to her mom. And trying to steer that child into the right areas of Target to get something that my wife would actually enjoy receiving uh, is quite the struggle. And here's the other thing they don't tell you when you have a young family. (laughs) And I think there's a lot they. of dads out there that under, understand. They. Um, when you have a mother that's alive, and God bless that, that my mom is still here with us and alive. But when you have a mother that's alive, and you're also married to a mother of two children, you're, you're having to provide on both ends of the Mother's Day weekend, right? You <laughs> need to not make sure that you get not one, not two, but at least three gifts and events for the mom in From your the life. kids. So the, starting Sunday morning, this consisted of me waking up at 6 a.m. to go get donuts to provide breakfast in bed <laughs> that my two daughters walked in on Mother's Day uh, to my wife for breakfast in bed. This was going to church yesterday. It was then going to a big family brunch that I set up <laughs> as the youngest in the family. I oftentimes the most organized of the five kids. So I set the family brunch up that for my mom. Meanwhile, my father uh, just sits back and does nothing the whole time, <laughs> which I get because when I'm 76 years old, his mother's like my deceased. dad. Well done, Tom. I'm not going to do anything either. Like it's not. I I can kind of see it. My dad didn't have to say the words, but the expression on his face was, well, "She's not my mother." <laughs> Talking about his wife. That's on you, kids. You're now old, uh, older. Some of us getting old. Older. You make money. You provide the Mother's Day. It's not on me anymore. But when you're the young dad and you got the young family, you're still providing for that mom in your life and your actual mom. Uh, look, this is a long way for me to complain about something pretty menial that moms out there face a much tougher steep hill climb. But I feel like there's got to be some dads out there that this resonates with. 
when you experience this. Yeah, and the dad, and I'm not one of these dads that it resonates with, but I, I think this is a foolish play by you. You should shut up. Well, no, and, and this is and Chad. It's not a foolish. I, I don't. I, I'm not saying that I am mad about the day. Like it turned out to be great. I crushed it. Yeah, but across all across all areas of but the family. But now you're playing but victim. I feel good about it. What yeah, Chad is saying. No, I'm not, I'm not playing Crush victim. I'm just shut up. I'm just stating that this is what goes on. Yeah. Like moms like to bitch about things too, right? Yes, that that are bad in their lives, and they can tell you know, us about things coming. they don't like also. And I get it. Like but, I, I hear these things from moms, and I think I, that sucks. I hate that for you. Like it's it's just reality. But Angie and your mother, who may have enjoyed yesterday, upon hearing this, are no, are no, retroactively no, no. not enjoying no, yesterday. You're being you're being a wuss, Paul. Yes. No, uh, no, Angie's no, already no heard mom this. Is, <laughs> no mom is hearing this and thinking, oh, Chad is an ingrate. And he's this and that. I mean, come on. I, I'm just saying this is the challenge of Mother's Day for the young dads out well, there. And dads will understand this. Well, here's what and I want to know. moms will understand this. And again, I'm saying this is what moms deal with all the time. So they're laughing. What did, What gift did you try to ease the oh, children Oh, we're not going to be a show that doesn't say what we think. All right? Let's not. We're not going to shh. This isn't a show that shh. I'm going to come on here and I'm going to talk about life and we're going to say things. This is not, right. we're not going to pussyfoot around the, the issues of the day. What gift did you try to ease the children into and what gift did you end up actually Well, I eased, uh, I eased away from a gold uh, silverware set. <laughs> that, uh, that How did that go? My daughter now, Evie, now I'm interested. My daughter, Evie, just walks up to it and it's, it, everything she's pointing, she's like, Dad? And she's kind of looking, I'm like, Dad, this, this is perfect. She's like nodding, like, this is it. This is the one. I'm like, no, we don't need that. Then it was a platter. There was a couple, it was like a collection to serve of breakfast platters. I thought maybe that's where her head was going with that. That's it. Um, to serve those she, donuts. The, the, you'll laugh at this. The, the gold the, silverware. This is, this is the gift. Was it right? pricey? You're going to laugh at this, Paul. You, you think that I'm, I'm, I'm digging a hole right now. Evie's gift <laughs> to her mom for Mother's Day was, and she's adamant about this, was a $25 gift card to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> And, and Evie's rationale was, she can yeah, it'll be a mother-daughter thing. This is exactly what she wants, to spend more time with me, and we can go She'd have a great mother-daughter afternoon. Who wouldn't? And I'm thinking, That's okay. Terrific idea. And I had to ask her 15 times, said, now, Evie, are you sure that this is what mom would want? If this is about mom, is this what mom wants? And she was certain, oh, absolutely, this is exactly what she wants, is a Chuck E. Cheese gift card. But yeah. we ended up getting a cereal bowl. <laughs> That was the most practical <laughs> gift that, that, that came from Lucy, the younger daughter. But Evie picked it out, and I said, you know, your mom does eat cereal, and this is a nice-looking bowl, so why not? Paul, what this is, this is Chad knowing that you and I... This is me on the couch. Yeah, That's this is Chad is. on the couch. You and I uh, come in having some, some other things to discuss over the weekend. Meanwhile, he's been on the go and on the move 24-7. Well, I'll, I'll say this about Mother's Day. I, I need to be off Twitter. Mother's Day gets me right off Twitter. I mean, I don't understand why everybody feels like their Mother's Day greeting had some heft on Twitter. We get it. It's Mother's Day. You're happy for all the mothers out there. How many moms Does are on Twitter? every single person have to send out an individual Mother's Day uh, greeting me, on Twitter? Greet your mother. Greet your wife. And then move on to Twitter <laughs> to what, what goes on. I mean, I'm scrolling and it's all Mother's Day greeting. But I'm like, screw Twitter. I don't send out a Mother's Day greeting on Twitter because my mom's not on Twitter. Right. Yeah, so or on Facebook. This, now, and Hutton, if she was, is that where she's looking for her greeting? Well, no. you're, you're, you're hitting on something, though, here, Hutton, because this ties into another topic we can get into, obligation tweets. Right. Okay, I, I received a tweet over the weekend, late Saturday night, 
someone bemoaning the fact that I didn't congratulate the Preds on clinching a playoff spot. And we are, I think I, I speak for all of us here, we are anti-obligation tweets, right? Sure. We don't want someone to say, you are compelled to tweet this at this time, and we hate when people bring it up. So I don't want to bring up the guy's name because I think it was somewhat innocent, but I had to instruct him on, yeah, we don't do obligation tweets on this show. But the Mother's Day greeting may be the one time where I feel a little bit obligated because my wife is on Twitter. So I give the quick message to her on Twitter and then post something on Instagram for her on Mother's Day, right? So maybe I'm violating my own rule a little bit, but that's where I feel obliged to post something. So I I have a little bit more patience than Paul with the sheer number of Mother's Day tweets on that day because I feel obligated. It's like a Twitter takeover. But you shouldn't go more than once. Like you said, it it needs to be one message. It doesn't need to be a follow-up. And then to all the other mothers and... To the dead mothers, to yeah. the living mothers, to the mothers from all our favorite TV shows. The single mothers, the single working to, mothers, to the all working of the, moms, the stay-at-home no, moms. No, I, I'll give credit. Like, the Braves came up with something cute. They put out the lineup card, and they said to, you know, batting first, uh, Eugenia's son, batting second, Adele's son. Yeah, that's like a cute twist. Yeah. All right, I can handle that, but... Uh, enough. <laughs> Let me know when you get that uh, picture I sent you, Jacob. Oh. I got it. All right, put put this up. I, I just want to say I think I killed it for a Mother's Day gift, though I gave this very early. Uh, one shot and done. Uh, my wife has been in a lot of back pain, so this was a cheer you up slash Easter slash Mother's Day <laughs> gift. This is this guy here. If you're listening, uh, Finley, my dog, who's pictured here. Uh, Emily Proud, who uh, is on TV in town at Channel 2, her sister does these, and I had this painting commissioned of Finley. And now Teresa, who sits with Finley all day, could either choose to look at actual Finley or could look at this painting of Finley, which was a huge hit. It's a very nice artistic rendering of of Finley, I I will say. And since we're giving shout-outs, shout-outs to Sammy B's in Lebanon for hosting our Mother's Day brunch and the owner there who came up (laughs) And spoke to me and is a huge Outkick 360 fan. Sweet. Saw, saw my name on the reservation and wanted to come up and say hello and uh, loves us. So, Paul, what's our rule on people who love us? We love people who love us. Katie Proud it's a is universal the universal rule. Universal rule. Reach out to me. If you if love you want us, we love you. Yes. All right. That's it for Mother's Day talk. Is it? Oh, well, I'm sorry, we didn't get to you. <laughs> yeah. you know, what did you do for Mother's Day, Hutton? Uh, we, we did something with. Uh, my my family on Saturday and Claire's family yesterday, and that was it. We had delicious meals both times. See, I picture Claire's farm? mother. Did you go to the farm? No, we went to my sister's house. Okay. Uh, which is uh, easier drive for for Tender. both sides of the family, and then we went to uh, Mike and Gail's home uh, for Mother's Day. See, yesterday. I picture celebrating Gail would be incomplete without Gail making chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Oh well, now that you mention it. Uh, she'll probably make some for us tomorrow. Yeah. But You've uh, guilted her into doing it now. God, Every time Gail, she hears it, she makes them. Gail's a champion cookie maker. The goal, the goal for, I think, Claire going in is not for the moms to have to cook at all. Like So we, we made sure that that was not going to be the case. I did but, a fantastic job of ordering out last night. Is there ever and my more, sister Amy crushes it on Is that. there ever more demand for restaurant reservations during the day than on Mother's Day There was afternoon? an hour and 15 minutes. We picked up food yesterday. That's what I did. There was an hour and 15 minute wait at noon on some random uh, restaurant that we picked from yesterday. Crazy. 
we um, we made the mistake a couple times of not getting a reservation. And one time was over two hours. And another time was probably an hour to hour and a half. But uh, having the reservation was key. But I kept trying to think about, is there another holiday or day where there's more demand for restaurant space Maybe Easter. during the day? If you work at a restaurant, like, that's going to be generally busy anyway. Do you welcome a holiday like Mother's Day because you're going to make a killing in tips and yes. et cetera? Right? You want it. Well, and you want to work Sunday. Sundays are, you crush it every Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Friday night, Sunday I would afternoon. think that that's a welcome relief for people in the service industry. To especially have a huge crowd on a Sunday last, afternoon. Especially after the last year. I watched uh, a lot of Braves baseball this weekend. That Not was the one Orioles. big comeback watched win. The Bra- well, and then last night they played really well. How do you pronounce this guy's name that started for them yesterday? Enoa. Waskar Enoa. Yeah, who's been uh, slugging the heck out of the ball also. They, so they get two of three, and the headline probably around 8 p.m. on Saturday was going to be Braves on the, Braves on a slide, and they have uh, Acuna, who is hit by a pitch on his ring finger and his pinky. left pinky and has to leave the game and plays the next day, steals a base, scores a run, the guy's an alpha. Let me let me give a message to Major League Baseball and everyone who plays uh, against Acuna. Stop hitting him. I mean, this guy gets hit more than anyone. He's not crowding the plate. I don't think that was intentional. He's not doing it well. They, the, the guy. Well, then he missed way inside twice. Same at bat, almost hit him in the neck, yep. and then a pitch later, or maybe two pitches later, hits him in the pinky. But this guy is a sensational superstar for this league. And he actually has a personality that can market all of Major League Baseball. Stop trying to injure him. This is more of a Marlins issue than any other team with the, the beanball war that we saw. It wasn't even a yeah, war. I don't... It was them just hitting him because he was hitting home runs off of them. Uh, but, but stop it with that. And this dude is tough. I mean, that looked like something that was going to sideline him I mean, for it, a time. Because sounded... I, I don't know how he makes a fist. When you get in real time, it sounded like the ball hit the bat and it was off the end of the bat. That's how hard it hit his bones yeah. in his hand. So you were down to last strike on Saturday, got a home run to throw it into extras, then fell behind, then came back and won? Down three in the 12th it and was, then scored four in the bottom of the 12th. It was an amazing uh, amazing game. Three to one, bottom of the ninth, uh, Panda, Pablo Sandoval, two strikes. How overweight is he? What? What's he, about 40 over? Uh, a, a standard 30, 40. I mean, <laughs> he's not gone up or down. Like, I, I don't look at him. He's like not standard fatter than 30. he was before. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's definitely not he's losing weight. <laughs> he's, not, he's not getting in better shape. I mean, but it's he's also a not shock getting in worse that this shape. guy is in the National League. That's the amazing thing. A guy like that is well, built for a DH spot. He's a, a pinch yeah. hitter and a clutch yeah. one for the Braves for the most part. But they tie it in the ninth. Um, the Phillies, I think, in the, ele- yeah, the Phillies in the 11th score a run. The Braves match with a run. Then they have bases loaded, one out, and can't close it out. Braves have been horrendous in extra mm-hmm. innings all year, so they can't score the, the game-winning run then. Then the top of the 12th, the Phillies score three, and I think it's over oh. at that point. But whoever Scored three, had, real quick, scored three with bases loaded, force out at home, and the pitcher on a grounder back to him has a, a wild throw to home. And then doesn't cover the plate, so two runs score. He's pouting. He's mad at himself, so he kind of little league-ish. dejected. That's how the doesn't the cover, and the guy rounds second and comes all the way in and scores. So that's how they get two of those runs, which was uh, pathetic. <laughs> but it, I will say, with the new rules, with the runner at second, you have a chance. 
I mean, it's, it's that, great. The, the guys calling the game on, on FS1 is like, look, I know the Braves are disappointed. They're down three runs. But he said, you got a guy on second starting the inning. It was 3-1 yep. at that point on Austin Rowley. He said, uh, get a ball here, and the tying runs the plate right. with no outs. He said, you can't be that down about it. And then they scored all four runs with no outs. Braves loaded the bases, and then it was a double by Contreras. Scored three runs. Dansby Swanson scores from first. They tie it there. Then the next batter gets a base hit. Ball game. Yanks had a similar, not nearly as dramatic, but Scherzer was killed them. They were down 2-1. Tie it in the ninth. Fall behind in the tenth. Tie it in the tenth. Fall behind in the eleventh. Win it in the eleventh against a five-man infield. Oh. On an infield hit. They win it on a, on a light ground ball that third baseman tries to barehand and fumbles that's called the infield a hit. So similar thing in terms of falling behind and going, uh, tying it in the extras and then, and then winning it. But I've got an interesting baseball thing here that Lindsay Adler, who's my absolute favorite writer in you the country Lindsay right Adler. now. Uh, we need to get her on this show. Yeah. You talk about her so much. She wrote, and this is terrific, they deadened the baseball, right? They deadened the baseball thinking this is going to help because it's all home runs and strikeouts. And what's happening is the launch angles and everything are the same, and balls that would have been home runs are now warning track outs. So they've fixed nothing. They've made an advantage pitcher even more, and they've taken away some home runs that were at least exciting home runs. And so they've made what was bad, home runs or strikeouts, now home run uh, uh, strikeouts or deep fly balls and taking away some of the home runs. So they don't even think through the permutations of these adjustments they're making to the one variable that they can change, which is the baseball. It is so confusing to me how the standard baseball advocate can sit there and gripe about rules changes to the record book and then just simply stand back and let them mess with the baseballs year in and year out. That is I, weird. And just just take it for all oh, they're you know they're trying to even out the playing field here. Uh, and then now we're not now we're seeing warning track pop ups. They don't they don't think through. Well, I don't baseball, get it. Baseball is the worst at, of all the sports at thinking through. I mean, at least they try out some of this stuff in the minor leagues. They tried out the runner on on second but not the, and extra I mean, innings. They're altering the actual mechanism for playing the sport. Right. And they don't think through what that's going to mean. Like, they think through. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're playing a long game here, and they think, okay, these guys discover that that's only a warning track fly ball, so now they try to hit a line drive instead of trying to hit a home run. But how long is that going to take? That's not fixing the game. I know. Doesn't it seem like the, there were years yeah. and years of uh, baseball being the old man, stodgy, get-off-my-lawn sport? and not wanting to change anything, and being reluctant to move forward. And now it feels like they're just doing too much at tinker, once. Tinker, tinker, tinker. Well, it's tinker. not even tinker. Now it's just like, well, we're going to completely rewrite the game. And I will say I like the extra innings rule in terms of speeding up the pace, putting a runner on second to start. Next year, nationally, he's going to have the DH. I hate that, mainly because I'm not a huge advocate for pitchers who can't hit, which is a problem, unless you're Waskar Noah of the Braves, who can hit, which is great to see. Or Otani. I just like the difference. Or Otani. I don't know about you, Paul, but I just like the fact that there's a difference between American League and National League. Well, I like the else. difference, but I like the old school difference where you didn't play each other. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there that, was a mystique about the started, World Series. Right. And you, the All Star game, even. But once you started playing each other, having two separate rules doesn't make a hell of a lot of Nationals sense. Nationals and Yankees, for instance, over the weekend. And uh, uh, Scherzer with, what, 14 strikeouts? You, you mentioned yeah. that he crushed and the they, Yankees. And he ends up not winning the game. Right. It's crazy. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Uh, Braves, by the way, 100% uh, capacity allowed. They had 
what, 29,000 last night for Which Sunday night baseball? The biggest crowd since. Looked great. It was, it was bigger hit. on Friday night. Uh, yeah, it was, it was large on Friday. I mean, they had about 100,000 combined over the weekend. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit just about crowds in general. And Hunt, I know you watched an event on pay-per-view over the weekend that had a large crowd as well. I felt like I was watching an event on replay. Yep. It was so packed. Well, that's uh, coming up, and we also take your reaction to the weekend on Twitter, at Outkick360. You can jump in on the chats as well. Stay tuned. A lot more coming across the Outkick Network. Outkick 360 and Outkick with events like the one you just saw, plus events like the 360 Masters at Top Golf, which is coming up on Thursday, June the 12th, just around the corner. Two bays remain open. You go to Outkick 360 on Twitter. At the top, we have a link tree uh, pinned to the top of our account. You click that. You can click all the way through to purchase your bay through Eventbrite. You can also go to Eventbrite.com and just search out Outkick 360. Uh, and it'll take you to the page. If you're interested in joining us, where we're raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society uh, across the United States. Looking forward to that. Always a big night. And again, two bays remain until we are sold out for the night. And I'm going to say what I say with our FanDuel promotions that we do. How are there two bays still left? How are you not jumping at this opportunity to come and hang out at this great event for a great cause? We need to sell those two bays right now if you're watching. Take care of it. Grab your buddies. Grab your office. Grab whoever you want to come out to this great event with uh, with the, uh, the Outkick 360 Masters. Looking forward to it every year. We believe in big night outs. Big nights out. Um, <laughs> and we haven't had nearly enough of them because of, the circumstances, <laughs> because of the circumstances uh, with the pandemic. And uh, now this is a, it'll be a beautiful night out. Uh, Top Golf is a, an outstanding setting. Uh, there's outstanding food. And uh, you'll see a lot of people that you uh, hear us talk about. And uh, the details of the tournament and, and everything involved, prizes, uh, what it's like, how many bait, all that's available online. We won't get into the, the, the full details of everything here. You just simply search it out on Eventbrite for more details if you're interested. Uh, I will say, though, that you get a bay, it's for six people. The, the, the price that you see is for six people where you have food, drink, and golf all included in that where proceeds go to LLS. So check it out online. And Hutton will be slipping that jacket on somebody, that jacket you see yes, behind Chad. Yes, thank you, Paul. I forgot all about the jacket behind Chad. Uh, that is the green jacket, which we placed on and, and Chad yes, wore during uh, the Masters Thursday of the show. Uh, it will not be worn again until 360 Masters Thursday on June the 10th. Um, packed, 100% capacity, not packed at Truist Park, uh, but a great crowd on hand. Uh, everybody's, I mean, watching the game, it, I, I didn't think I would notice it as much with the, with the attendance in, in place. I absolutely did. So much so that I wanted to watch last night, Sunday night as well, after watching on Saturday night because of the buzz with the game itself. I then watched the Canelo fight. 77,000 people at Jerry World down in Dallas to watch this boxing match. And, I mean, you had the, the grand anthems. You had the uh, God Save the Queen. They had the uh, they had Mexico's national anthem. They had the, the national anthem played. Grand stage, pay-per-view on DAZN. Uh, it, that, that's when I realized, okay, 
we are about to see the NFL open up in places like this. We are going to see fans back in attendance for Jerry World. I know some other, uh, Washington, for instance, I think has said that they're going to open up. We should see it here. Uh, we're very likely to see up to 70 to 80 percent attendance for the Predators in the playoffs here in Nashville because there will not be capacity restrictions starting next week here in the mid-state. Um, we're going to see fans back. So this it's going to be up to the teams. Uh, there's, uh, there's a separate subtopic here with NHL and NBA playoffs and certain teams having a home ice or home court advantage where others won't because of states and restrictions and lack of restrictions other places when you get to these series going back yeah. and forth, which I find fascinating. But I'll say this about watching uh, the Braves, for instance, this weekend and hearing the crowd and having an atmosphere. We all would have said a year ago, we'll take the trade-off to have sports and not have fans in the middle of the sure. pandemic, right? And said, well, fans, and then you kind of rationalize it by, fans don't really make that big of a difference. What we want is a sports. It's not the atmosphere. And then I watch this weekend and I hear that noise and I see the atmosphere and I start to think to myself about the biggest sports moments in my life and what I remember about them. I think about 1992, Francisco Cabrera gets the hit, Sid Bream scores game seven against the Pirates. And a big part of that was the noise of the tomahawk chop that inning when the Braves had a rally going. The, the crowd noises when they score, the McDonough saying, safe, Braves win, and David Justice telling him to get down and slot, those things. And then I start to think about, Paul, when I, when I look back on these moments, clearly the crowds were a supporting actor in that play, and the sports were the main thing. But it's a pretty damn big supporting actor to our sports memories. And now seeing crowds come back, we love the sports when we just had them because we could have them and we would take that trade off. But now that they're back, I'm yearning for more because I realize what I missed when they weren't there. I was 10 or 11 for Miracle on Ice mm. and had no better crowd moment than flag waving uh, people. And that was a small uh, arena, right? But also spilled over into the whole town. And I've had the privilege of being in that town. My, my sister and brother-in-law owned a house there for, for maybe 10 years later, you know, years after that, but I, I visited. Um, <clears throat> I, I totally agree with the idea, like, w once the choice was games or no games, we took what we had, and, you know, I didn't need the piped-in crowd noise. I didn't like it. Um, and I was content with the games. But... Only now that it's coming back, you realize how much you miss that element of it. And it, it, it doesn't need to be everything. I mean, the, this gradual easing in, you know, the 10,000 people that were at Yankee Stadium with the trash cans and the venom for sure. the Astros was a clear indication of, of, uh, of it. But now that we're going to get back to something like we saw with the Braves and what we're going to see gradually around the country with full capacity, I think... Um, we're not just going to have the sense of it, we're going to have a big sense of it because people are so ready and anything that gives a hint of a playoff atmosphere or the venom, stored up venom for something like Yankees-Astros is going to be over the top because people have been waiting and it's corks, uh, corks popped. I agree. I, I am curious to see how long that honeymoon Last. phase lasts with teams that are really bad. Yeah, it won't last uh, long. It won't. Or, 
you, you it know. might not start. I mean, if you're going to see who's the worst team in baseball right now, if you're going to see the Detroit Tigers, I don't know that there's any big crowd effect as they strike out 53% of the time. What, what's yeah. the effect in uh, at Comerica Park? I don't, I don't think there's much. I don't know if it's much of an effect. Uh, in, in, I think NHL and NBA playoffs, there's going to be an effect for certain teams and not others. But for just sure. as much as the, the vibe, the atmosphere of it, and having that back. And, and yeah, there's no remedy for a terrible baseball team. As you get into June, July, you get August. outside. I mean, it's fun to be outside but eating popcorn. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be an explosion beer. of people going to watch the Tigers. No. that you reference because of that. Uh, th- th- so that's not gonna happen. Well, let me There's no the- one that gets anyone to Marlins games, regardless, even if they haven't been in a while. So, but if th- you that's have, be a problem sometimes you know, the discussion was, well, you'd you'd rather stay at home because the best seat in the house is at home. It, but now it's let's now, go do something. Right. So now how long does that phase and that feeling last before you're back to, you know, I'd rather stay at home. I'd rather stay at home, have my own popcorn and drink and, and chill out and watch That's the game. That's an interesting question. Well, it's, uh, and also the, the whole debate about private industry and business and government control and, and at what point is there a breaking point, there's less and less negative feedback to things opening up. Right, I feel like yeah. just media coverage-wise, I see a lot less of outrage that the Braves are fully open, that Texas is fully open, that Florida is fully open. So as you get closer and closer to that, the Nashville Predators, for example, you don't think they wouldn't like to have 100% capacity? Oh, they'd love it. And sell out every suite in every seat for their playoff series coming up? But now the, I mean, that, the it's, decision it's will be up the to It's the bottom them. lines of these businesses. So at what point is there going to be more fighting back on that? And I went on Clay's show, and I think the date that we originally discussed, this is back in March, was July 4th. And I think Clay threw it out. He said, by July 4th, everything will be 100% open, was his guess that time. And now I look at it here in early May, and I'm thinking, you know, over half of the adults in this country have been vaccinated. And there's no shortage of vaccination. Everyone can get a vaccination if they want it. So people are either now choosing to get the vaccination or not. So this is where free will as a free citizen goes up against what the government wants you to do and what doctors want you to do. Nick Saban is cutting a PSA urging people in Alabama to go get a vaccine, right? And a lot of college football coaches are going to do this. But because they're you, about to open up. If you were going to, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was you need to stay home for your grandparents or for that immunocompromised person. Even if you don't think you're going to get that sick, you need to make the sacrifice for the greater good. And I think in the beginning, everyone was in on that, right? They, all, they were all okay with that. Well, now the people that don't want to get a vaccination, to me, that's their right, but also they're the one taking the risk. Everyone that needs a vaccination or wants a vaccination has a vaccination now or can go to CVS and get a vaccination or anywhere they want. So at that point, who am I to say, if you eat fast food for every meal of your day, (laughs) you're going to have heart disease and diabetes. But that's not me. That's your freedom as an American to make bad decisions at that point. So... I just don't. It's a very interesting spot where still state governments are coming in and saying you can't open up fully. Your business can't fully operate at this level, even though everyone has the ability to get a vaccine now. So where does that end if it doesn't all open up in the next two months? I think now the timeline is being sped up. I think it's before Fourth of July. I think by June, pretty much everywhere is going to be open in sports. Well, we're seeing that to one hundred percent. I think we're, we'll see it as a league in the NFL. I think that's what we're pushing towards and uh I, I i think the there will i i think by july 4th there will still be some major league baseball teams that are not 100 percent capacity i mean it doesn't help that anthony fauci comes out on mother's day and says things will be back to normal by next mother's day 
He gave it a year. He said that's when things will be fully back to normal. Um, that doesn't help, but I think now there's more and more people saying that's crazy <laughs> because we've seen places open up without huge issues, so that's insane. I'm going to get back to life before next Mother's Day. Right. I'm just curious when the big leagues come in and say, we're doing the same. It's just a, it's such a fascinating case study of state versus federal versus private business versus sports leagues versus media and how everything comes together. And, uh, and Paul, I mean, you, you study the media and you see what's out there. Do you agree that there's less and less pushback to things opening up now? Yeah, there's, in, less in and, there's less and less pushback. I mean, the whole thing would go away if people just get a vaccine. Just get a vaccine. I think it was interesting from a sports perspective, Brandon Bean uh, kind of said what I'm sure a lot of GMs are thinking, that, uh, that given a choice between a vaccinated guy and an unvaccinated guy, that he would be more likely to cut the unvaccinated guy because for a football team, if you're at 85%, restrictions are off. And I don't see what, I mean, he said what everybody's thinking. He shouldn't have said it out loud. But you want, as a football team, any of these teams, to get to a point where the restrictions are off, where your guys can come in on a Monday, where you could meet without all of these restrictions, where you could have more guys in the weight room at a time, where you could loosen yourself from all of these shackles, right? And so, you know, if one of your big-time players doesn't want to get a vaccine, you're going to accept that and deal with that. But if you're talking about Hutton, you know, player 45 versus player 46, it, you, you know, you're going to take player 46 if it gets you to the 85% because you want your team to be living a normal football life sure. where things are a lot easier for your team than it is without. And if you're a football player trying to make a football team, it's going to benefit you to, to get a vaccine. Yeah, and I doubt that we get to a point where Brandon, Brandon Bean's going to have to make that decision on player number 46. You, you would You're going to have to make that decision on your star quarterback who decides not to do it and says right. it publicly. But not what does Brandon Bean do then? Yeah, then nothing. He, yeah, right. Then he's, he's he does nothing. Yeah. He plays his guy. But why the 85% number? That's what the league That's what the league set. has set to, to reduce restrictions within the, the football portion of the building. enough of a herd number for them i don't know if that's I, a, I just it's it's just it's just all of it's odd to me <laughs> just like different percentages of different number you know it's all everyone sets their own parameters well, it's based on the number of people to within the facility too like uh, you know uh, a baseball clubhouse is a bit different than a football they've got locker. a number two baseball's got a number two based in I i'm saying is. based on the information they're getting back for people that are around them within a facility you know they they can require a lot of things in professional sports sure. leagues for you to do. They can't require you to get a vaccine to play football. No, but they can incentivize it. And that's why, it. That's why the league is telling Bean to, to shut up publicly about it. I mean, they called and said, shut up. And there are companies who uh, have incentivized it. I know guys whose companies have offered $100 and $250 for people to, to get a vaccine because they want their numbers up at their place of business, much for a similar reason. Like you can reduce what you have to ask your people to do uh, at, at the office, at the warehouse, at, at wherever. I would also imagine that for uh, the one story that I haven't heard uh, asked about over the weekend, and, and I, I honestly, maybe it's available and I haven't looked it up, uh, that's totally possible. Do the Phillies enjoy the stadium experience in Atlanta? My my guess would be yes. I would think as oh, a yeah. as a player 
going to a, a place where you have the ability to be 100%, stepping into Truist Park on Friday, where the crowd was larger than what we saw last night, my, I'm imagining as a player you're you're juiced for that. I think energy is energy, right? Yeah. Even if it's against yeah. you, you feel it, and it's part of the game. And when it's not there, it's harder to – I'm not making an excuse. You, I, I'm the first guy that says the paycheck energizes you and you have to do your job and all of that. But that's part of the experience, and I think they feel probably a lot like we do. Like, mm -hmm. hey, we went about our business and everything, but we – and I think I saw some Yankees saying that. Like, we didn't realize how much we missed it until we're getting some of it back. But I think it probably improves the quality of some of these games that guys are juiced on both sides, whether they're for you or against you. And, and I know Dansby Swanson, the Braves, said that too, even at limited capacity, that we realized how much we missed it. We didn't know it until they came back and, and saw some of that. I think the real issue is going to become once you get in these playoff series and there are different restrictions in different cities, and you're going to have, talking about the energy, you know, the Phillies like it in a regular season series to have crowd, even if they go back and they don't have 100% yeah. capacity at the right. park, they're fine with it. Are you okay with it if you're the Dallas Mavericks and you get a packed house and then you're the, or let's say you're the, the Portland Trailblazers and you have 3,000 people in your building and you're going on the road, Utah is an U example. Utah. It's going to be packed. And then they're going to come back home to no one. And you're thinking, well, that's a disadvantage. I don't know if you like the energy in a playoff series the when playoff you're on the road and you come home and have no energy. That's a good energy. question. Is there some sort – I don't know if you guys know this. I don't, and I confess. Is there some sort of gate split on a, on a playoff series between the home and road team? Um, because if I, there I is, know. if yeah, there is, know. then the commissioner is saying, hey – you know, it might not be great for the competitive balance, and I understand that, but everybody's hurting financially here, and this is good for us economically. You could at least make that case. But if Portland's only getting 3,000 fans worth of money and Utah's getting 17,000 fans worth of money and there is no revenue sharing, I wonder if they're not going to try to install some kind of revenue sharing there to balance things out. I mean, I, I think if there's no revenue sharing now, I don't think it's going to be installed. I think you're just SOL if you just happen to own a team in Portland, Oregon right well, now. Well, then it's really disparate, right? Yeah. You get the home court advantage and the you get the financial advantage. advantage, and it's every man for himself in terms of what your local, local situation is. That sucks. Uh, the, the other underrated portion of the crowds being back, uh, twofold. First, uh, you have Freddie Freeman being called Frederick where he goes. I love right? that. Like Larry, that, does, that doesn't happen without fans Larry. in attendance. Yep. Uh, and then uh, you brought the Yankees Astros, you know, the, the booing was great. Another example is, is last night with Andrew McCutcheon. Leads off with a homer and he's mic'd up. And as he goes up to the plate on the first pitch of the game, he's telling one of the fans, I'm the best. I'm the best. Steps in, first pitch, home run. <laughs> Rounds the bases. Comes back Mic'd up. Mic'd up. And he's like, how's that for a Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day. He's talking to the fans watching, but he's talking trash to the Braves fans. I mean, that is energy within the game that, yeah, you're paid to manufacture your own hype, but that's part of the game that you didn't have. I mean, baseball needs I didn't know I missed that. so much. Baseball needs right? that. I think it was uh, uh, another great example of this. I think it was Kinsler for Philadelphia. In one of the extra innings, he got a strikeout to get out of the inning. 
and he is cussing up a storm at fans yeah. on the way off the field. You can tell he get, puts his glove over because one time <laughs> he got the camera right in front of him. And he's he's interacting and going crazy after he gets a strikeout to get out of the bases loaded jam. And that's another part of it that I think it's going to be even more amped up because now they're interacting with I fans for the first time in over a year. I love it. So this I is the one it. thing. I'm not a college baseball guy. But one thing that's interesting about college baseball is those dudes go at it with fans in these series. And they go at it with, with the opposition. Every single hit is a huge celebration, and they're talking to the other dugout and yelling back and forth. A lot of trash talk, and I think you're going to see more of that now. I don't know if it's more. I don't know if it's amped up. I just didn't notice it. It's back. You know, it's just part. It would, now it's back, and it's it's amped up. I think it's, it's going to be returned. amped up though. I, I'm seeing more of the, at least a small sample size. Yeah. But watching sure. that whole Braves Philly series and seeing some of it, I think we're going to see the trash talk amongst fans and players notched up. And I will say about baseball, and I think we all agree, it, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in baseball. But we're just talking about a weekend's worth of baseball. That two games in particular, three games, these two Braves games and, and this one Yankees game, it, despite itself, it, there's still some good stuff going on, despite itself. I think the Braves, Paul's going to hate this, this stance, but I think the Braves have become a very important franchise for Major League Baseball. I, I think they are, too. They're because, young. Well, they're it's young not just that. they got a it's, lot of juice. They are a regional team. They are the Southeast team. There are tons of Braves fans, and where we are in Nashville, all over the Southeast. And I'll say that about the Yankees. It's good when the Yankees are good because people love to hate the Yankees. I think Yankees, Red Sox being good, good for baseball. I think the Chicago Cubs being good, good for baseball. Anytime you have those teams that are – sort of the hub for a region, when they're good and they're hated by other teams, I think it's a good thing. I think the Braves are becoming that. And because they're young nucleus that I talked about with Acuna, I think that makes it where it's even more important. They're a good team. I don't disagree with that. And for me, it's fine as long as the Braves do what they do in the end. And we know they will. They'll, they'll, they'll lose in four to the Dodgers in the playoffs. They'll choke. Or seven. In some way, <laughs> shape. Or they lose in seven to the eventual World Series champion after blowing a 3-1 series. <laughs> this well, time they'll lose in four. But in the ALCS, not in the first round, but okay. Yeah. The NCAA also doing exactly what we expect them to do, which is be late to the party. That's next on Outkick 360. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. And look, we, we've already paired the Green Bay Packers with the Denver Broncos if Aaron Rodgers gets traded. He, the, the Broncos are an obvious team with a quarterback need um, in uh, outside of the conference that Green Bay plays in and with the draft capital make it happen. Have a pretty good roster also outside of quarterback. That too. Got some weapons, got a defense. NFL Network's now officially putting Denver in the mix with a report from James Palmer of the network who says that Rodgers could end up with the Broncos if they can find a way to get a deal done, which is saying the Broncos are calling Green Bay trying to get a deal done for Aaron Rodgers. A storyline to monitor this week. We started last week <laughs> with the reaction of uh, Rodgers wanting to be traded or wanting to just to be out of Green Bay and Green Bay calling his bluff and and now we start this week with a, a team that is a, at least reportedly making calls to the Packers about getting the future Hall of Fame. And I immediately start thinking about the twice-a-year Mahomes-Rogers showdown in Divisional. that division 
Sure. If that's the case. That Great said, point. though, there has been in in the week plus that we've been talking about this, um, more voices out there. And again, we talked about this last week. You know, uh, who who to trust and how much weight to give them and all of that. Uh, more indications uh, and more people saying they won't be surprised if there's some kind of detente and Rodgers, in fact, winds up back. Uh, and I still think that's ultimately what's going to end up happening. Um, but there's a long way to go here. And there needs to be some major peace treaty work done, no doubt, if, if that's the, what's to happen. Well, and some of these trades. Uh, Everybody's throwing a quarterback in these trades, which you brought up first. I mentioned last week. And Bill uh, Barnwell did a great disservice. Like, if you put together a Titans trade, and the Titans aren't doing this, but Tannehill wouldn't be in the trade because the whole reason this thing exists is because of Jordan Love. Right. So they're not looking for a quarterback in the return. They've got the quarterback. They need a backup quarterback in return. <laughs> yeah, they don't right. Need a, they don't need a starter because right now the only two on the, on the roster are Rodgers and Love. Um but beyond that, the, you know, I'm seeing is like... There a, is there, let, let me ask this question. We haven't talked about this facet of it that I was thinking about over the weekend. Is there a better place in terms of league interest or what's best for the league than Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers to be in now with all of this? No. To me, just coming back to a great team that was 13-3, and where he won the MVP, that's best for the league. Being on the Green Bay Packers is best. And the intrigue of him being angry with the entire organization for another year. And what is happens what's best next like. with Jordan I can't Love, think of a, of I cannot think of a, a destination that would be better for the NFL and the storyline than Green Bay well, for Aaron Rodgers to if return. You, if you put him on the Raiders, it would be a hell of an intriguing story, but not as good What's as It's going to be an intriguing not story wherever he goes. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying, if you're lining all the possibilities up, I think going back to Green Bay is the most interesting storyline for Aaron Rodgers, for the Packers, for the league. Absolutely. And number two would be what, New England? <laughs> I mean, just placing him on a team. Yeah, but for, they've made their interest. Yeah, I guess. New England yeah. and Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Those are other teams though that have made. Uh, Dallas just signed its guy long term. New England just drafted its guy. But I'm saying just pure league interest. Oh, sure. For it's the New drama. England. It's New England. Yeah. It's probably yeah. It's New England on the on, next on the scale. But Green Bay's there because of the 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 drama of who hates who, right? Yes. But Every we, time something happens bad in a game. Everyone's going to be, re- be reading every bit of Aaron Rodgers' body language as to how he's and reacting to a coaching decision, to anything. And searching with binoculars and cameras to find Gutenkust in the, in the box. Yeah, and we, we sort of had that this past year. I mean, they drafted Jordan Love in 2020, not, not this past April, and then he goes out and wins MVP after not talking to the media. Remember, he didn't talk to the media for three weeks after the draft and then was very cryptic on his answers about Love. Uh, but, but real quick, on, on the other trade topics, I mean, I'm seeing two future first-rounders and a third for Rodgers. I'm thinking, that's what, that's what Seattle traded to the Jets for Jamal Adams. No, that's not th- I want these trades to be more realistic. It's three, it starts with three first-rounders. Jamal See, Adams cost that. Or it, it starts We're with... We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. You're talking that, about That's how I know where the rounders. leagues are coming from. It's not coming from the Packers. Yeah, if it, that's the rumor... <laughs> Right. If that's the rumored haul, then the Packers aren't the ones leaking that information. Here's what I'm hearing on what it's going to take to get Rodgers. That's coming from someone else. It's it's because the Packers starts, are going to want more than that. Yeah, return. It, it starts with three first rounders. It starts with two first rounders, <laughs> and a premium premium player at a non quarterback position, and more draft stuff. Right. They have to be getting back an All Pro caliber player, 
at another position of need for see, them. But see, that's why, that's that why Denver, makes a, Denver makes a lot of sense for that cost. People think, man, that's a steep cost. You have John Elway and you have Vic Fangio. Fangio, who th this is going to be his last stop, regardless of how long it lasts. Right, so if you, can, if you can pair a front office and a coach that is looking for one Super Bowl title before retirement, before stepping aside, you trade three or four future first-round picks to ensure that you get a quarterback that will go win you a title. Well, here's the other part Bruce of this. Bruce Arians is doing it in Tampa. Here's the other side of this, too. Not having to trade future picks, right. but you get my point. But Pat Shermer is the offensive coordinator in Denver. That's not real. Well, exciting. you're right about that, Hutton, with the with Denver side of it. But on Green Bay side, if you believe in Jordan Love, you make this deal. Sure. Three first-round picks well, they, you made or the deal two first-round picks, it. a premium player, and other draft picks. If you truly believed enough to trade up to draft this guy right. and piss off your franchise quarterback, then you should believe in him enough to make this move. Well, This makes a lot of sense for the Packers, but it flies in the face of common NFL thoughts because you're giving away one of the best three but hang quarterbacks on. in the league right now. Well, but, but if you believe in love as my the future, you do week. it. My question last week was, are they obligated to make a deal for Aaron Rodgers? The deal I just threw out there is ludicrous to me. Two, two first-rounders and a third is junk for Aaron Rodgers. Like that, that, I, I laugh at How that. How about Cortland I would Sutton? Rather, I, would rather, I would rather turn down that offer and call Aaron Rodgers bluff on retirement then accept that trade offer that, that's been thrown out there as a, an example of what it would take to get him. My point is, if you call his bluff and he returns, you have a chance to go in a Super Bowl for your own franchise. You're not doing that with Jordan Love in year one, I'm saying. But you're already making the decision that you're moving on to Jordan Love next year. So what's the price tag of letting go of a potential Super Bowl run now and knowing that you're going to go ahead and start the clock on your future franchise quarterback, which is Jordan Love. They told us that when they selected him. So what's the price? The price is still steep to me because I'm going to call Rodgers Bluff and see if he'll play for my franchise because the price that, that's being floated out there is not nearly enough to give up a Super Bowl title. How about... Uh, They're one I, away from going. I'm so. looking at the guys I'd want from their team. You know, Garrett Bowles, on a left tackle, Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about them not doing enough at wide receiver. You get somebody like that for Jordan Love. Uh, you know, he's been hurt, but Bradley Chubb is a, a, a quality I mean, pass these are all, You're these throwing are, these I in with two first-rounders? These, these are all good options, but, I mean, that, that's with two first-round picks paired with that and other and draft other picks picked. at a minimum. Right. I'm with Hutton. I'd rather have the three first-round picks. But, again, I keep going back to the, the different messages coming from the Packers. They believe in Jordan Love enough to trade up and draft him in the first round and alienate their star quarterback. But yet you don't believe in Jordan Love in the future enough to make this move with a disgruntled quarterback who seems to now be a problem for you. Then just he, go ahead and do it and make the stance that fair, we believe so much in what we're doing as the Packers. <laughs> we're going to win multiple Super Bowls but a few years from now. Just to play and devil's we'll let advocate, him go try to win a Super Bowl Just to Bowl play devil's else. advocate, they played with a disgruntled quarterback last year and made it to the NFC title game. I completely and they had the MVP because I, he was so disgruntled. I completely agree. This is why it was a bad plan but from the beginning. Then why did they draft Jordan Love? You're never going to get point. an opportunity to evaluate him, <laughs> and you're betting on your guy's downturn. Why are you betting against your guy? It's dumb. Instead of just admitting it was a mistake to trade up and draft Jordan Love, they're now admitting their mistake <laughs> of not telling Aaron Rodgers about Jordan Love. <laughs> but what I'm hinting at here is the mistake was not to draft someone to help Aaron Rodgers go win a Super Bowl, and instead on a team that was 
minuscule points away yeah. from beating Tampa Bay. Should have beaten them. And Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl easily. You've got a guy sitting on the bench not helping you at all. It was a mistake. But you've got him on the payroll, so you can't admit that, hey, this quarterback we drafted was one of the biggest goofs in franchise history. But you're admitting it by not trading Aaron Rodgers, right? Well, Look at all the mixed messages. The way you should have handled Because if you believe in Jordan Love, give me three Jordan first-round Love, picks. Trade Jordan Love before the draft. Before the Extend Rodgers and trade Jordan Love. That's but right. they didn't do that. And the reports were that they, they wanted Jordan, to trade him but what's Jordan chose not price? to. What's what? What's Jordan Love's price? Well, you go to, you go to teams that were win. interested in Jordan Love before. Oh, you're saying trade Love. Yeah, and see if they liked him more. But what, uh, what are the, you going to get in return? The, a third-round pick? Well, maybe a second. You see if they liked him more than they liked the quarterbacks who were coming out. I just – Well, just, the problem with that is you, you, you trade him and then you have a quarterback who doesn't – Want to play for the general manager? I think the more this, well, he'll like it, like playing for the general manager more if he's conceding that the time. The more this sinks in, the more idiotic the Packers look for the move for Jordan Love. This this started all of this. There's no problem if they just draft someone that could have helped that team on the field a year ago, and instead here we are. It's all on the Packers right now because it was a dumb move, dumb move to do it, and dumb move, even dumber move to not tell them they're going to do it. The NCAA. Late to the party on name, image, likeness. What a shock. We're seeing this from individual teams with state laws and regulations coming out. So colleges within those states are preparing their own NIL protocol and restrictions or lifting restrictions. Uh, Meanwhile, the NCAA is having to scramble to come up with their own rules and protocols for this because they're about to lose out. They're about to lose complete control and for some would laugh and say, well, it already is the wild, wild west. But it's going to be even more so with the NIL coming in, for instance, with Alabama, who has the plan called the Advantage. And right now, it is a significant that's a, advantage. That's a huge, that's, that's a perfect it's name a, it's for a, it. It's a great bit of branding. It's a perfect <laughs> brand. It it's a huge advantage for a, the advantage. for a program that already has the advantage um, with Nick Saban at the helm. They have the advantage with the NIL and the name image, image likeness and the ability for, for athletes, for collegiate athletes to make a profit off of their name, image, and likeness within the state of Alabama. Now the NCAA is coming out and saying, no, we're going to regroup and rethink these protocols and come up with our own set of standards. And I think that Georgia looks kind of dumb in this too because while they've approved the name image likeness plan, the plan is getting crushed because 70% of the money goes to the university. So only 30% goes to the players. So then people are thinking, well, why would I want to go to Georgia if I'm going to get more of a bigger cut somewhere else? Right. So their legislation there looks dumb for the, for the student athlete. That's and dumb. look, the NCAA wants to keep up the status quo. It's very transparent about what they want. And I'll say this about the NCAA college football status quo. It's been pretty damn good for a number of years. We like college football sure. because of the, the construct. The fans aren't the ones cheated in this. We like the, the product of the sport and the, the system the way it was. But as things evolve and it's, you're looking more out for the financial well-being of the student athlete and not just the scholarship well-being or the school well-being, there's going to be more things like this that happen. And the NCAA not having a plan for it is one of the least surprising things ever. And now they're going to try to just cram some plan in by July so everyone's playing under the same set of rules where the states haven't even all legislated how it's going to work. And you cannot go into a season where there's six SEC schools 
able to compensate players, businesses can, with name, image, likeness, and have eight other ones that can't. Well, this can't happen. NCAA has to mandate that you can't do anything until everybody can do something. The way the NFL said last year, uh, if COVID protocols in your state keep you out of your facility, everybody has to be out of their facility. I mean, that, but are these schools going to listen to the NCAA? I, I mean, are we at a point where people can just be rogue and go maverick? Uh, it, it seems like the NCAA's power is down and down and down where people just disregard what they say. Look at LSU uh, in terms of not just the, the NCAA, but the FBI. <laughs> and they're just like going about their business. But you have to mandate. And the SEC, never mind the, uh, the NCAA, SEC has to mandate. Look, we understand you have a plan and it's legal in your state, but you can't have this advantage while five, six other states in our conference can't do anything. It completely throws everything out of kilter, out of whack, and we have to have a level playing field for recruiting, period. Well, here's where I think it's going to get really tricky and that there's no way to legislate this if you're the NCAA. Twitter's got a tip function now on Twitter accounts. Oh. There's a tip job. Oh, that's right, yeah. You can, you can Venmo money or send money to people on Twitter you enjoy following. Well, so if if you're a uh, an this Ole Miss fan, we're at and, and you're you're Outkick really excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Paul will take your your tips. At Paul Kuharski, bath salt bandit. <laughs> yes, bath bath salt bandit and pants. That's leave not his Twitter. Is handy. where you can send all of our tip money. <laughs> but if I mean if you're an Ole Miss fan and you got a, a receiver who has a big game. And you want to drop five hundred dollars in there, or you got more money? This is the hundred dollar handshake, but digital. The digital hundred dollar handshake. What's what's going to stop you? Well, what's stopping them now anyway? I mean, nothing. But it's it's still like it makes it so much more accessible. There's not even anything. Yeah, but uh, this is something that anyone could have happen to. If I am a, if I'm working for University A and I am a fan, and I want to go to Chad Withrow because he's the five-star recruit. I just contact Tom Withrow and find out his Twitter account, which he just set up yesterday on behalf of the tips, well, and I'll deposit whatever I so choose. But Thanks, it's not. It, it eliminates any bit of seediness about it. Because any well, way it's still before, seedy, but it's, well, there was it's no Twitter. There, there was no Twitter tip function before, right. so I'd have to go to the family, get a checking routing number, <laughs> send them something, Western <laughs> Union and something, find them and hand them cash. Yeah, you know, go to the player and hand them cash. Go to McDonald's now, to get a now. Bash. I can I, now if if you're a, if you're a fan of a team and you're wasted watching a game, it's and like you're a in, swipe. You're in pure glee in the moment. You can just go to Twitter and pick up your phone and say, "Here's a thousand dollars for that interception, that pick six. Congratulations." <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen all the time. Sure. You, you scroll right past your OnlyFans and go to, go to your yeah, college. Yeah. I haven't account. looked at it yet. You know what? Stacy can wait. <laughs> Stacy can wait. I know that she needs $500 more for her to perform this act. But instead, I'm going to reward the act of that pick six from my favorite college Priority. football player and give them I don't some need money. that underwear. Priority. I'll take the jersey today. Right. Bathwater can wait. Right. The warm bathwater can wait. This guy just had a great game. Well, Saturdays are for the boys. There you go. We'll get Tuesday, Wednesday. (laughs) But, I mean, the jokes also, you know, hit these free throws and I'll give you a thousand bucks on Twitter with a screenshot of the player's Twitter account. Live during games. The best would be if uh, a team is on the road, you hold up a sign behind the goal that says, Miss these free throws, and oh, I'll send you money. Now that's you're on to something. That's what you do. Something. And that's another thing and cheers. that I mean, has become is... much easier is manipulating oh, a yes. game because the, that's not the only button you're hitting on Twitter. 
you've got a lot of options for, for taking the points or laying the points. Oh, Paul, sure, but, you're, but the idea that this is just now starting is Oh, laughable. I know. This has no, been going on, and no one wants to discuss it. Oh, of course. And now the NCAA said, oh, we can make a profit off of this? Let's continue to do this. But it's much, everything's uh, much easier, like Chad's talking about. I don't about. even it's know if the NCAA's going to make much of a profit off of it. They just know it's going to happen. So they're trying to, because now legislation's allowing the name, image, likeness to happen, so they got to do something. But, Paul, when you, on your Blue Chips rewatch, you can see how this has been happening for years with point shaving and different issues like this. I can listen to Shaquille O'Neal act like this. Hey, yo, I can dunk. Hey, coach, do you want me? <laughs> did you finish the program? I did. All right, we'll save the review Shaq for later. Shaq doesn't move his mouth when he speaks? Well, I mean, it mumble. He's a mumbler. Mumblers Paul's been big on Shaq as a mumbler. And I can't really argue with he's him. Not he's not dynamic. He's a bit of a People, He is sold as a dynamic personality, and dynamic personalities don't mumble, period. They don't. He's a dyna- dynamic personality. He's great on Inside the NBA. He's the great when Candace uh, uh, Parker shredded him on uh, how behind he was on Basketball of the Times. Well, good. I'm sure that made for great TV. It did. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a mumbler, but he's got a. I, I will I will say I will agree and disagree with you, Paul, because he's got a good personality, but he is a bit of a mumbler. I, I will will agree with that. Coming up. Um, we have some news within the Tennessee Power Hour. Uh, Pecorine will be in goal for the Nashville Predators, the final regular season game tonight. Is it the final regular season game for Pecorine with the franchise? We'll start there and go across the state of Tennessee with the biggest headlines of the day on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.